whoever is listening, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and welcome back to the Man with the Plan podcast. Today, guys, I told you in January we're going to have an electric offseason, and we're going to keep that rolling with a very special guest in RJ Godfrey, Clemson freshman basketball. It's been quite the year for Clemson basketball, one of the best starts, one of the best teams in program history. When you look at the number of ACC wins, when you look at all they've accomplished, they really come together and are gearing up for a run in March. Uh, RJ, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for taking the time to uh, speak with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. You know, it's just an honor just to be on here. Just talk to you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Honor is kind of a interesting word there, but Let's just start with your uh, your basketball journey. Uh, you three star prospect out of North Gwinnett, Georgia. Just want to kind of talk talk to me about that recruiting process. And I think what's so fascinating, I've had a couple basketball players on here before. What's so interesting to me is how stuff like AAU and that area of how you're recruited is really brought into the spotlight. So for you, can you kind of detail what the recruiting journey was like and how? stuff like that, like I mentioned with AAU, what's the difference there and what separates separates it from maybe how football players get recruited or, or golf or tennis, stuff like that? I think basketball, it's in its own sphere. Yeah, so uh, my my recruiting process was uh, super strange. Uh, you know, I started getting a lot of looks and uh, offers during the COVID, um, COVID session. So I was on a lot of phone calls, FaceTime calls, Zoom calls. And it was different from like a uh, like like a tr- uh, traditional recruitment where you know coaches come to your house or they'll show up at your games and stuff. So uh, all the coaches really watch my games through you know um, video and a lot of film rather than in person. So that was kind of weird. But when they started to open back up, I started to get like the real feel of the recruitment process. And I mean that just really opened my, my eyes and it really. Um, I mean, I loved it, just seeing, like, coaches come to my house and uh, just all that stuff, uh, all, all the base stuff that, that comes with recruiting. But I would say um, the difference between, like, football and, like, the basketball stuff, like, I feel like because um, there's much more football players than basketball players. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of, so my brother, he's a, a four-star headed to uh, – Kentucky uh this season so I would say the difference between me and him it's I would say it's more uh it's more like film oriented like he gets a lot of uh it's way like it's way more uh, I would say like not like strict but it's way more pressure on him because it's like a lot more schools using social media uh, like he ha- he has a ton of offers from a bunch of schools rather than like a basketball player won't get as many as like uh, of a football player, but like a lot more mail, a lot more texts, a lot more like uh, just like gear and stuff for uh, football, I would say. But I think the basketball, like the AAU piece really does also make that kind of even up with the football. Yeah, it's certainly interesting uh, a realm. And I think you really hit it on the head with COVID is how strange it had to be, especially taking phone calls, taking Zoom calls. So let's start with when you initially met Brad Brownell. Was that over Zoom? Did he initially make an impression over the uh, over the phone, or was it something that happened in person where you got to meet with him, maybe tour the campus, see Little John? Can you walk me through your initial recruitment with Clemson, and why did it end up being the Tigers that you decided to choose as your home? So the first time I talked to the head coach, Brad Brownell, uh, was over the phone one night when my AU coach gave me his number and he was like, he really likes you. And 
he wants to talk to you. So I called him because uh, they had like these uh, rules about you calling them first and stuff. So I called coach and we had a long conversation. I fell in love with the program. As soon as I came up here on my visit, um, you know, I'm from Swanee, Georgia. So it's only about an hour 20 uh, north of uh, where I'm from. So, so it's relatively close to home. And, you know, I came up here, it was such a family, family environment. Uh, I was here alongside, I think, one or two other crews the first, our first time. And we had dinner with, uh, made lunch with the, um, with the team before the football game. Uh, we had uh, Smoking Pig, which is delicious. So, uh, it, it, I mean, I just fell in love with the atmosphere as soon as I came up here. And I was like, I have to, I have to be here. RJ, you're going to make me hungry, man, mentioning Smoking Pig. So we might have to keep that talk to a minimum, but, uh, so you, you mentioned that family atmosphere at Clemson. Let's just kind of walk through your first year here and let, we can exclude the basketball part of it, just acclimating to this kind of environment and really just on campus. What's it been like? Have people been like, oh, it's RJ or just how the family atmosphere really, I think it's one thing to go, oh, yeah, it's a family atmosphere when you're on there maybe for a day, but when you are here on a day-to-day basis, this is your second home, you're living here, going to class. What's that been like in that transition? Oh man, it's great. It's great. This is like one of the best college campuses in America. You know, it's like a small town college field. So you get to see everyone like around. I see all the football players I talk to every day. I see them every day. Just walking around downtown, getting something to eat. Um, just around the nearest center too. I mean, it's great. Like um, I would say when I first got here, no one really knew who I was. And then with like the fan base and, and the people here, they're so supportive. So the more they start coming to games, like even like the little stuff, like I'll be walking down the street. Oh my God, you're RJ. You play really. <laughs> They'll say something nice. I took a couple pictures uh, two weeks ago. Like so, I, I always say later in the season during the ACC play, people have been starting to uh, recognize me and really show me some love. Yeah, and I I think that it's been really fantastic to watch how this roster and this team has grown. And in terms of your game, RJ, how would you describe it if you were? No one's watched basketball. No one's watched a game of you play. They want to tune into Notre Dame on Saturday, and they go, man, I want to watch R.J. Godfrey. But what is this game like? What would you tell that person in just summate, the summation of what you are as a player? Yeah, uh, first I would say I'm a really tough, gritty, uh, energy guy who's going to fight every possession and try to make those dirty energy plays, you know, to really get the crowd going or get our team going when we're, like, a little bit slow stuff. I love to play inside. I'm a, uh, I love, I love, I love the contact, I love the physicality. So I feel like I'm a really, I won't say a junkyard dog type of player, but I'm a real fun player to watch. Who's going to really uh, be entertaining to watch? Yeah, I, it, certainly. And uh, when Brownell, when we talk to him at press conferences after the games, or we're just trying to get trying to get an answer out of him, and we ask about you, RJ, it's nothing but praise, and he calls you pretty much exactly how you describe it. You're gritty. You do all the right things. You attack the basketball. What does that kind of praise mean to you? And how has your relationship grown since the season's progressed? And how much has he taught you, Brownell? And can it be anybody on the coaching staff that's helped you evolve in in a sense for a season where you're playing teams like Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, NC State? These are some of the best basketball schools in the country. How has your game grown because of that? Oh, my game has grown has grown dramatically. Like. Uh... I think Brad Barnell is probably one of the smartest basketball minds in the country, probably the smartest. Um, you know, he has super high IQ. And, you know, just literally every day I learn something new. Uh, IQ-wise, I had a very 
very big IQ jump to make from uh from uh, high school to to uh to college. But he he taught me so much, he, like little things. He's very he's very detail oriented. So just being coached by him, it, he just makes you see the game so much easier. And it and once you like start to learn more, it starts to slow down. So when you're playing those big teams like UNC Duke, it's no problem. Like when you're out there, it's no problem. It's just like you know what's coming, you know what to expect. Yeah, and as the season started, and as you say, you've been learning all these little things, these details. The way this season's gone, and they're y'all are picked eleventh to finish in the ACC. Y'all are currently sitting at fourth with a chance to clinch a double bye, which is something here on campus we haven't seen in a while. And just talk me through that early, the early stage of the season, because it doesn't just start in November when the ball tips off. And Little John, there is a process to this. Did you guys have a sense of saying, "Hey, maybe we can do something special this year"? Or was there a specific game where there was somebody going, okay, there's something to this team. Let's capitalize on that and get the ball rolling. What happened? What was the energy like to start the uh, maybe preseason workouts? Well, I think it's different for everyone. Because as a freshman, I didn't really know what to expect or know how good we were going to be going in. But I would say, so the reason why we're so good is because we had so much time spend together in France in the summer and, you know, just off season, we grinded everyone, everyone, this team, everyone gets along, everyone loves each other. So like, we're all brothers. So that, that's one reason why we're really good. But I would say like the game where I thought that we were going to be really special was probably uh, the, the first ACC game, the first or second ACC game where we, uh, we blew out, we blew out uh, Wake Forest and we played, I think we played uh, NC State right after for Georgia Tech, and we blew them out, too. I was like, hey, I think we're going to be a special team this year. So after those two ACC, those two big games, I was like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna be real good. Yeah, and starting 10-1 and in the ACC was the best start in the program history. You guys have beaten the mark. You guys have broken the record for uh, ACC wins, and you can continue to do that with a win against Notre Dame. In terms of this team, you guys say you're together. It's a brotherhood. Coming in as a freshman, and like you said, there's a lot to learn. I think one of the unique traits of this team is that it's an older roster. You've got guys like Brevin Galloway, who you can joke, he's the senior citizen of college basketball coming out there. PJ Hall, Hunter Tyson, who of the older guys have you, would you say really took you under their wing and has really helped you grow as a player? Maybe it's off the court. Maybe it's how to behave like a college basketball player, watching film and doing all the right things. Who has that been? And how has that relationship grown? Uh, definitely Hunter Tyson. Hunter Tyson, since the first day I stepped on campus, uh, you know, wanted to see me do good things and great things. He's always, he's always coaching me up. Uh, he gets on me when I'm doing bad, but he also he's, he's there when I'm when I'm when I'm playing good. He's always the first one to help help me up, high five me. Uh, he's like he's one of the one of the nicest and and best people I ever met in my life. So uh, I would say. Him, PJ does a lot of mentoring to me too. We we have a lot of long talks and stuff about uh, just being a good player, making the right plays, and you know I love I, I love hanging out with PJ outside of the court. So um, I would say him, PJ, and also Chase Hunter. Uh, me and Chase Hunter, we kind of grew up together. Our families know each other real close. So I would say those three guys really really helped me get through it. Yeah, and I I can see on the bench, and we're up we're up here for our little press row. Um, but I'll, occasionally I'll look over the bench and maybe it's Hunter, maybe it's Brevin, maybe it's you guys, maybe it's the freshmen. It always feels like you, that 15 of y'all are engaged. It always feels like, and it's not a big unit. It's not a sideline full of staff. It's not a crowd of people. 
You guys are really collective as a unit, very focused, engaged. You could be up 30 against Florida State like it was last week, and there's a bad call, and everyone's like, oh, what the heck, or something like that. And I have a picture of Brownell doing a surrender Cobra where he's got his hands on his head, and he's up 25. And I was I was thinking, dude, come on, <laughs> almost like a chill-out type of moment. But the engagement, is that something that's really helped you all this season is no matter what the situation is, everybody's fired up, everyone's engaged, everybody's locked in. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, Hunter always, uh, before the game, always stresses being level-headed, no matter if we're down 20, up 10, or uh, just no matter what the score is, just keep on playing hard because it's only going to get you better if you keep if you, if you, if you keep level-headed throughout the whole game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make your team way better. So, Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of what this team's been able to accomplish, I think that's a product of it. And for you and this freshman class, you got guys like Chauncey, Josh Beadle, you yourself, uh, the Nassif brothers, Matt Kelly, this little, this group right there. What has this group meant to you, especially guys like you, Beadle, and Chauncey really elevated your roles as the season's progressed? That trio there really stands out to me as a, a trio that's really learned a lot and grown up together on the court in such a short amount of time. Has y'all's relationship developed, Beadle and, uh, and Chauncey, stuff like that? Yeah, I would say me and Chauncey's uh, relationship has really tightened over the season because so some games we play little, some games we play a lot, but in that time, like, we always try to tell each other, bro, like, we're going to get our time, our time's going to come. Just sit back, just like just be ready for the moment. But I would say uh, Beatles, Beatles also taught me a lot. Uh, Beatles very mature, and uh, he, 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 he has a lot of nice words to say when uh, things aren't going good. But I would say – that trio uh, really, really has gotten really got tired tired of when the season uh, season came. Yeah, and I also have to add the freshman Dylan Hunter. I forgot to put that. I guess the the quali- the the uh, core four of freshmen that uh, it come to mind, especially being the younger brother Chase Hunter, having that that bond is really something we don't see much in college basketball. But it's a nice story, I think. Is that brother that kind of dynamic in the locker room where it's a, a, a sibling rivalry almost? Or because I have two siblings, RJ and it can get crazy sometimes. So in the locker room, I can only imagine that sometimes it's interesting to have an older brother like Chase and a young buck like Dylan. Does that all, does that not in the sense of clashing in terms of conflict, but just because they're siblings, it's a little different. Uh, yeah. Uh, when we're playing, I think everyone's so close. We don't really like get a feel that, Oh, like they're two are brothers. It's like everyone else on the team is brothers, but Dylan, you know, he's my roommate. I love him to death. Like, he's the one of the funniest dudes ever. So, uh, <laughs> it's like, I would say the only difference between, like, Dylan and Chase and, like, our relationship with them, like, like when they get in an argument, it's more, like, it's more real. Like, it's more like, hey, like, I used to do that with my little brother, too. Like, I get him. But I would say that's the only, like, difference with with with, with uh, Chase and Dylan's relationship than anyone, anyone else on the team. Yeah, because I remember – Early in the season, they had uh, Dylan Hunter out there and Chase Hunter out there. Not only did I go, this is going to get confusing, but then I realized, oh, shoot, there's a there's a familial connection there, and that's super cool. And so just something to keep track of as the season progressed. Um, for you, RJ, this season's had its ups, it's had its downs, it's had its streaks. You've had every – I think this season's had everything, really. Um, for you personally, has there been a game where you – when you look back and you reflect at the end of this year going, okay, this is where I've grown the most. And what, what can you take away from that? Uh, I would say the game 
So I think I had multiple games like that. Like I would say the game where I got my most confidence was the Virginia Tech game. But also a game where I could have been locked in and more prepared was probably the Duke game. I didn't play as well. I also had games where I played, I brought energy like Boston College came in, uh, brought energy and just came in aggressive. Like I feel like there wasn't one game where I can reflect on the season, more of like a, a whole general outlook, I would say. And um, I haven't really thought about like what I need to really work and do for it to be a, like a really good player next season because I'm still focused on this season and what we have right in front of us. But I would say it's a general outlook of the whole season of how I can, like, I mean, like there's multiple games where I can say like, and like what I need to do better and stuff like that. Yeah, I hear you. And it's, it's the focus, like we mentioned before on this program is the engagement and how you're locked in and focused and ready to really take these next couple games, whether it's a whole run of the conference tournament, a game against Notre Dame, there's really always something to look forward to. And I think for you, it's uh, really important for that. I, I'm surprised you didn't mention you. I, I had this listed down to season high in points against Virginia Tech, and that's kind of a big accomplishment, right, for a double digits right there. Uh, and that was on the road, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that game was crazy. That was a, a very anticipated and huge game for us. Mm -hmm. That game my confidence boost again. I love that game. That was one of my favorite, one of my favorite games in my in my life. Yeah, so before we wrap up, we're just going to get a couple of those rapid-fire fun questions for you, RJ, to really let the audience get to know you and just in terms of a, not just a basketball level but personal. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see, uh, I think it says hashtag leave no doubt. And is that from a, is that a T-shirt from North Gwinnett? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just leave it no doubt. Every time you step on the court, just play your heart out because you don't want to be looking back in 20 years and be like, ah, I could have played harder. I could have did this better. I could have worked harder. You know, just leave it no doubt. What and what is that that environment at North Gwinnett meant to you? Because I had I've had Barrett Carter on this podcast, and he's another North Gwinnett alum, yep. and uh, he t he spoke very highly of the culture there. He often visits back there when he gets the chance to. What is that being able to go to back to a place that's not only close, but it feels like there's a big tie there? What's what's that been like? Yes, yeah, so to me, it's the best city in the world. Like the community, uh, they're they're so they're so supportive uh, in every sport and everything. They uh they care for you on and off the court no matter if you're doing good or new you're doing bad but it's like Swanee's one well, Swanee is one big family everyone there they're gonna take care of you uh, cheer you on and no one's gonna no one's gonna bring negative energy to you it's just uh, that place is just a special place yeah and uh, it's interesting to be able to have two North Gwinnett alums uh, representing this podcast now so I just had to ask and I, I saw the leave no doubt shirt and wanted to make sure I got that in um. I do have to ask you, RJ, and this is kind of a, we're just going from question to question. I had Brevin Galloway on in the spring, and I think he said the thing that impressed him the most about Clemson when he wasn't there is the student section and the atmosphere. He said when he was at Boston College, fans were filling up the student section an hour before the game starts, talking trash, all of this great stuff. What has the atmosphere been like every time you step into LJ, LJC? Uh, probably the same thing with uh, Brevin said, like, our students, especially the uh, side away from our bench, they're they're there an hour, twenty minutes early, showing the memes, uh, cheering <laughs> you on. But I would say, for me, like I love the lights. I love the lights in uh, in, in Little John. Like come in, uh, especially like, the, the the lights at the top. They're so bright; it makes you feel like you're on the brightest stage in college basketball. 
like compared to other gyms, like I thought Virginia Tech, like it was dull and like not as not as light. And I didn't like Virginia's gym either, but I really do love our our, our lighting system in uh in Little John. Yeah, the little pregame show. It's it's very fun, and uh, they it's between Death Valley and Little John, the two uh, light shows that they try to put on before the games are always fascinating to me. And just the presentation, it's a big part of what makes Clemson Clemson. And you mentioned the memes earlier. Is there one in particular that's really caught your eye? There's the Let Brad Cook stuff. There's obviously the Nutty Professor with Brevin. There's a bunch of other stuff with that. But has there been maybe a sign or that's caught your eye from a student? Yeah, it's definitely the uh, the Gritfather one. Have you seen that one? I uh, haven't. So, what is that? So it's like the Godfather, like the uh, the movie, the uh, the Godfather, but they just put Coach Barnell in the logo and they made it the Godfather and have him clapping. And then there oh, was that's... one. Uh, there was there was one with Amir Sims I liked. I just forgot what it was, but I think the uh, there was one. The, the, oh yeah, the Let Brad Cook one. That was that was funny, but. You know, Twitter has a lot of nice memes too about PJ and all that stuff, which I love. So, yeah, the, the, I don't know what it is with basketball, but the uh, the the meme culture is certainly something that goes undefeated in this realm. So, before we wrap up, RJ, we just also want to thank you for your time. We're gonna do some rapid fire stuff, like I said. Want to get the audience to know you as a person, just not besides the all the basketball questions and the nitty gritty. So, we're just gonna go. Rapid fire as best you can. So we're just going to start. Is there a professional team or maybe a sports team that you watch outside of basketball for Clemson that you just are diehard for or root for? Oh, yeah, the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I love, I love the Cowboys. Um, but I'm not like one of the annoying Cowboys fans who, who say we're going to win every year. But uh, I love the Cowboys. I love the Lakers. I want to say the Lakers. I, I love watching LeBron play. And, you know, of course, I'm a cheer from my hometown team, the, the Hawks and the, the, Hawks and the uh, Falcons. Yeah, so the the Cowboys one, I just can hear a bunch of people watching this going, awesome, or a bunch of people going like, ah, no, like another one of those. Yeah, the Cowboys fans carry a certain reputation. Were you able to watch LeBron break the scored record? I was. um, I I didn't didn't watch the whole game, but I caught the the second part uh, right after my tutoring session. So, Yeah, I remember watching that was – I think he had 38 or something to break it, and they, they stopped the game, which was crazy to me that they just completely stalled the momentum, and it was just an insane night, and I guess they have to just because it's history. But another one, a, a place to Clemson. What's the go-to place for you to go to Clemson, whether it's to hang out, to eat? Is there a specific spot that you have? If you're trying to recruit someone to come here, and that, that you got to say, hey, this is the place to go. Yeah, so to eat, I love – I mean, who doesn't love cookout? Um I love I love going to cookout, but uh, if I want like something healthier or better, uh, or, like a sit down place, I probably go to um, this is a place called Tokyo. It's right on, Ty- on Tiger Boulevard, kind of near that Melt Mushroom. That place is amazing. It really good hibachi stuff. And um, also downtown, you have Soli's. Soli's is really nice. And uh, oh, the uh, Charles Sports Club. They have really good uh, chicken Alfredo. So. Uh, hitting it right on the right on the mark and I, I told you no spoken pick because I'm gonna it's not even open today it's just gonna break my heart yeah <laughs> right maybe maybe at your time at Clemson RJ we can uh petition for uh smoking pig to stay open seven days a week that'd be kind of nice wouldn't it that would be a great petition Dang, we, <laughs> and, there, and there's there's a footworkers and uh in Anderson I think we need to uh get one closer in Clemson that would be a nice addition for a nice little food spot 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Another question. A uh, couple more before we wrap up. Is there an NBA player that you've grown up idolizing or are you someone you try to model your game after? Yeah, well, so I grew up really watching a lot of LeBron James, but I mean, I came to the reality, I probably won't ever play like LeBron James. I probably won't be as smart and athletic and skilled as him, but I would say now I watch a lot, I watch a lot of Herb Jones. Uh, I, I try to catch the Pelicans game at least once or twice a week. Um, so I watch a lot of Herb Jones. I watch uh, a lot of Draymond on defense too. I, I really try to model people's defense because I think that's going to get you the most attention and uh, like that's going to, that's going to get me where I want to go. I would say my defense. So I try to watch Herb Jones and Draymond a lot. Yeah. Draymond's also got a nice podcast that I'd love to have his viewership for, but uh, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Last one. This is a little bit of a late in the summer, but we can revisit this one later. Is there an NBA finals prediction that you have currently or, and I, Obviously, March Madness, you're going to go with your your squad. But for the NBA Finals, is there a early prediction? Uh, so out the West, I have the Mavericks. Uh, I think Kyrie and Luca offensively. How you how you, how do you stop that? How okay. do you stop, how do you stop Kyrie and Luca? I don't believe in the Suns. I don't. I have Mavericks out the West. Out the East, out the Bucks, and then I probably say Bucks in six or seven. But if the Mavs don't make it out the West, the Clippers will. But the Clippers, the Mavs will lose. The Mavs will lose to the Bucks, but the Clippers come out, they'll win the finals. We might have to have you back on the show when the NBA playoffs roll around because the Mavericks and the Bucks—that's an interesting prediction. I don't. Yeah. Personally, I the Suns once they get things clicking, if they can, I don't know if you're going to be a believer in them. But I think it's tough with KD and uh, Chris Paul. That could be an interesting duo. For me, I, I'm a I'm a Celtics guy. Um, I think they they got a chance to win it all this year. The Bucks are going to be tough, but yeah. uh, we shall see. But that'll uh, do it today for this uh, episode of the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 116. If you want more episodes like this, another interview maybe with RJ after the uh, season wraps up, we'll definitely have to fit that in with your schedule. But guys. Sure. Comment down below uh, what you want to see next. If you want more interviews like this or interviews with guys like Bo Collins, Marcus Tate, Barrett Carter, RJ Godfrey, or Ricky Sapp, continue to subscribe to help me out and lets me know that you guys are enjoying the content that is on your screen. Guys, thanks as always for supporting the show, and thank you for 17,000 listeners across all platforms. Thank you so much as always. Take care and have a fantastic day. Mm-hmm.